Congratulations! You found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing! Starring the original book divas Martha Steele and Vonnie Golden. And also featuring Megan Runyon, YA superfan. Keith Steigert, Uber reader and romance junkie. Pat Greiner, she has the head of an English major and the heart of a sci-fi nerd. These people are passionate about books. Maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time. They are three book girls. Taylor Swift, if you want to be our celebrity friend, we are happy. As a Hendersonville girl, you should be our best friend. We need a a, a best. No, I bet Adam Levine reads books. Can't we ask him (laughs) to be our like celebrity friend? Are we gonna are we gonna need our own? Five celebrity card that we each get to pick, like our oh, celebrity endorsement. That. That was I've got a laminated no, no, no. card. No, our, for our celebrity uh-huh. endorsement, not for our laminated, like, oh. get out of jail free card. <laughs> Amy Schumer. Oh, yeah. That's who I yeah, want. Yeah, she's, she's, she's pretty hilarious. She's hilarious. I'd be torn, and this is the oh, um, ends of the poll either Patrick Stewart or Chris Pratt, because Chris Pratt is just adorable. Uh, but he's in a cult. Chris Pratt is a, what? Jesus. What? He's in a cult. Yeah. Chris Pratt. Yeah. yeah. What kind Tammy, of cult? Is it Tammy? A crazy Faye? church cult. Oh. He's a. No, he, is Tammy he really? Yes. yes. Shit. What's her name? He's, I read he's her. Very, 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 very. Tina. Tina Fey. Right. Tina Fey. Yeah. He'd be great. Um, and Amy Poehler, the two of them, they well, could be awesome mm-hmm. book friends. I I think we should like contact them and say. You I know, read both their books. You never They're know until you books. ask. Yeah. We have to ask because we think you guys are the queens of the world, and we would really love for you to come be on our podcast and be our friend. What about Paul Rudd? Is Paul Rudd a reader? He could be on oh our God. podcast. Oh, God. Do you there just want to do him, Bonnie? That's... No, you know he's what? hilarious. I, he's I so actually, I would pick Emma Watson because I know she's a reader, and I feel like she'd be just like a wealth of fun and information. I, and down to earth. I think, I think she's. Yeah. I think she's too serious. If you've ever looked at her book club stuff, she's way too. That's serious true. For she us. is. Did you see that Mindy Kaling is? Gonna oh, have I a love book club. her. She's. Awesome. She's going to have a book club, and it's going to be like all. I, I think it's. Gosh, I want to say it's like through Amazon or something. Oh, yeah, I like I like her. Why is everybody hanging out without me or something was the name that of book? That book was so fabulous. <laughs> I feel like a lot of celebrity people are probably readers because they sit in makeup chairs for so much of their life. Yeah, but you could watch YouTube or something instead. Yeah, but I feel like a lot of times if they ask them, like they're reading something. There's That's when some... audiobooks would come in handy. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of times that you can't, you know, sit there like reading an yeah. actual book. My my mom came over last night, you know, and she's like, oh, man, I forgot to grab a book. And I'm like, mom, whose house are you coming to? And she's like, well, I already read all your books. I'm like, yeah, like five years ago, I have new books now. She's like, oh. Actually, I might pick like an Andrew oh. Garfield or like a Robert Pattinson because they're fun in interviews. Like he, Robert Pattinson interviews are hilarious. We would never now be able to get you just want a bone, man. Do, um... No, Megan, I'm telling you no right you now. Love you know them. why? Because you, we would never get through a fucking podcast Robert Pattinson was on because That's you would just too. be peeing all over yourself. <laughs> no, but I don't think we could get through Robert, it because you're you... so funny. <laughs> no, because no, honestly, she would though, probably get really quiet and I would... we would never hear from her again. <laughs> I'd be like, she'd be like bright red the whole time. Yeah. She would be giving us the hairy eyeball every time we said something she didn't like. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know who we should, who's funny and a reader and a Star Trek one. 
Will Wheaton. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Yes. That would be yes. Awesome. I see, I thought you were going to say LeVar Burton, and I'd be all for that, too. Oh, that, that too. too. Yeah. That, too. Reading I just listened to Butterfly a book in the sky. with Will Wheaton being the narrator. Was he, he ready was my... player two? He read both of the books. Yep, he read both of those. Yeah. I was trying to think what book you were thinking of. Uh, the one I just read. I love doing Had to that. have been one of the ones that you suggested to me because I think I saw it when I was looking up books from that list. Was it Dungeon Crawler Carl? Or, no. Uh, no. Or The Portable Door? No. The, I Although love if we that got book. Will Wheaton, Man, I'd also probably book. still be silent because... He was like my first celebrity crush as Wesley Crusher. Like I was gonna say, on on what like Wesley Crusher or mm-hmm. him and Jonathan Brandis, and they basically looked exactly the same. Oh, the kaiju. Era. Who was Jonathan Brandis? What did he play? He was in Sequest. The kaiju. Oh, I didn't uh, watch preservation. He committed suicide or something. He did. Oh, okay. Well, the, oh, back then they looked. Yes. The, I was like, yes. how do you know that they looked the same? No, they both he had the was- like blonde. Mm. Who was the big burly dude who played on Enterprise, a Star Trek? Oh, the guy that Enterprise. plays Worf? No. Um, no, no not Riker. Worf, Jonathan. Jonathan. Jonathan Franks. Okay, yeah. now I thought no, wait, he was on, pretty cool. On Enterprise? That would have been Scott Bakula was. Yeah, who, which yeah, burly guy are you talking about? Jen. Oh. Are, are you talking about Worf or are you talking about the. No, she's um, talking about number two, guys. Number she's two. talking about um, Jonathan Riker. Franks. Yeah, number one. Yeah. I'm sorry. My husband calls him number two because <laughs> he's an ass. Because he's the shit. That's why. <laughs> he is. He is number two. He's the shit. I always thought he was cute. So there was a guy who is a Trekkie and was going to like Comic-Cons in a costume and he had had cancer. So we had no, he'd shaved his head because he had chemo. And it was like my friend went to Comic-Con as Picard. And then it was like a year later when he was done with all of his chemo and his hair all grew back and he went as Riker. Oh, that's awesome. And they had the two pictures like side by side. It was like my friend, like during chemo, went as Picard and then he went as Riker. I was like, that's the best story ever. (laughs) (laughs) I watched it when it was like new growing up on a little like 12 inch TV that was black and white. I'm a Shatner person. My mom loved Star Trek. Oh, my gosh. I like the ones that start. Dr. Crusher, because she was always my favorite, and I'm still pissed that she and Picard didn't get together. Read my Star Trek fan fiction because it's all <laughs> Crusher Picard. That's it. Yes, I ship that. I cosplay as Beverly when I go to conventions. She, she, I get the whole. <laughs> Wait, you have the green, like the teal she outfit. Has the outfit. I got, I got, I've got the the jumpsuit, the and I made the uh, lab coat to go over it. And... Oh, wow, Pat, you're my favorite right now. <laughs> <laughs> You guys have just. You're going on her card. <laughs> <laughs> Let me erase somebody. I don't know if I can for a second. She's got her real outfit. Like, wait, you own the actual costume? Like yeah. the real outfit? They auctioned. They auctioned off a lot of the props and stuff. It's one of her. Not not her uniform, but one of her civilian outfits. That's so cool. And I have a picture of me wearing it with Gates McFadden. <gasps> That's really cool. It was fun. Was she like, I know that. I never would have imagined the Pat fangirls like Megan fangirls. I was like at a Vegas convention and she was there and you had had to buy tickets to get a picture with her. So it was a big long line. And while I was still waiting in line, she looked over and she goes, she's wearing my dress. That's that's awesome. Pat, learning so many things about Pat today. I spent roughly five times more on that 
costume than I spent on my wedding dress. You know what wow. my priorities are. <laughs> yeah. You got to have priorities, man. You know, yeah. when I went to like Wizard Con when it was here before the pandemic. John Bowerman was there and he had no like line really. And I was like, I'm about to spend a stupid amount of money to take a picture with John Bowerman. And I am not even mad at myself. <laughs> What's his character? Who is he? he? He's not on Star Trek. He's on Doctor Who. He's on he, Doctor he's, Who. Um, Captain Jack Harkness. And he's so <gasps> oh, I pretty. Love him. And he was and, on Torchwood. And he was on yes. Torchwood. Or yeah. not, you're not his type. We know. We know. <laughs> him and I share a birthday. John Bowerman and I are both born what? on March 11th. And the woman that plays River Song. All three of us are March 11th. I like River Song. She played on her. ER too. I like yes. her on ER. I loved her on ER. I was devastated when they got rid of her. You guys, God, are we are the biggest freaking nerd. <laughs> we are. I, I don't think I can beat any of that. I don't think really? I fangirl that hard on anybody. Do I? Maybe, maybe like the author of Dungeon Carl, Dungeon oh, Carl, Carl. Now, you know, what? you know what I did? Um, when I was interviewing for my um, for my public affairs show, the people from SoonerCon, I begged them to ask. Matt Deniman to come and be at the convention. <laughs> I said, you have to have him as a guest. It gave Wait, when's SoonerCon? June 25th, I think. June, what is June that? something. I am going to be a panelist. It's kind of like Comic-Con, but it's in Oklahoma. So, Why is it called Sooner? Sooner is in Oklahoma. The sooner I'm out of this state, no. the better. What the happened sooners. is the Sooners <laughs> are the ones that showed up too early for the early. land grab. They, they cheated. Early. The no, people it was got, just, you got came there too, too soon. soon. That's you were a sooner. Oh my God. Yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. That's why. And then ridiculous. the boomers are boomer because they went on the like gunfire. They waited until they were supposed to. So that's why you have boomer sooner. Oh, okay. Because the boomers went with the boom of the gun and the sooners cheated and did you the last run. You have early. a really sad Yes, state. we and do. Name the state after the cheaters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's hence we why we have the government that we have here in Oklahoma currently. Anyway, ladies, now that we have plumbed the depths of our nerdy <laughs> fangirl souls, I think Dear God, I think we could probably start to mosey over to the book section. There's nerd books today. Funny is, are there any nerds in your the, book have, this week? No, those are in Martha's books. Well, I mean, yeah, it is set in nerds. a bookstore, so there's a bookstore. Oh, book in I take it back. That's amazing. Okay, okay, are we ready for this book review? Please. I'm waiting for you. So the book that I am going to review today was sent to us by Drew Kilman with Macmillan Audio, and thank you very much for sending this book. I actually really enjoyed it, and it's a historical fiction on audio. The book is called Bloomsbury Girls by Natalie Jenner. And this book is right up our alley. It is set in London in 1950. And it is about a group of women who work in a bookstore. And it's kind of an old fashioned bookstore, but they do a wide variety of books. So they have a number of departments, like they have like a history department, they have a rare books department. They have their new and regular inventory, which is for sale. So this is a rather large bookstore, and they have people that specialize in specific departments. The only problem with this bookstore is that the owners and the people who run it are men 
who don't think women are on the same level as they are. So, yeah, this is why Martha did not read this book. Yep, because I would be mad the whole time and I wouldn't be able to concentrate. Right. So it starts out... Um. It starts out with this girl who's fresh out of Cambridge. She just graduated and she's seeking employment and she goes to Bloomsbury for an interview as a favor, like the owner's doing it as a favor for a friend. He does not plan on hiring her, but he's just trying to, you know, pacify his friend and and Lee's meeting with her. And as soon as she goes to the office, the gentleman that she's supposed to be interviewing with, and I can't remember his name, has a seizure. And Evie actually knew what to do in the situation because she had somebody who was close to her that had seizures. So she took control of the situation and did what she was supposed to until paramedics showed up to take this guy to the hospital because he just had a seizure. And since nobody really knew what to do because she was supposed to be interviewing for this position, they just hired her. So she didn't really have an interview. And as you kind of go into Evie's story, there's a specific reason why she wants to work at this bookstore, which is tied into work that she used to do for an auction that auction offers rare books. Oh. So, and of course she doesn't tell anyone why she's there because she doesn't want anyone to know why she's there researching this bookstore and working in their rare books department because she's actually on the lookout for something that she found, she saw at the auction. And then as you go into the story, there's a couple other girls that are in it, a girl named Vivian and Vivian is one of those characters that you either love or love to hate. She actually reminds me a lot of the Vivian that works at the Tuttle Library, like her (laughs) attitude. Really? Like she's like this like snarky, cocky, very quirky personality. And she just doesn't really give a shit if you like her quirky personality or not. This is who she is. This is she, she wants to be deal with it or just go away. So she's. An extremely fun character, but she also has a past that kind of comes in light. And she also is having like a secret affair that you kind of find out a little bit about as you read the book, which is very, very interesting how all of that turns out. And then there's another woman, Grace, who works there. And she's kind of, she seems like the most mature out of the women that they talk about. Um, She's married. Her husband has some kind of mental break and he's actually not working. And he's not a very nice person. He actually reminds me a lot of my (laughs) ex-husband, which is saying a lot because I'm not married to him anymore. And she basically started working at this bookstore to kind of get away from her own life because she was so stifled at home that she just needed an escape. But of course, she's not one that cries to other people about her situation. People actually don't even, she, she never really goes into the situation with the people at work or anything else. But she also has 
I'm going to say a secret flirtation because she's a respectable person you find out about, which is fun to read about. And while all of these little things are happening in people's lives that they're talking about, you also find out a lot of history about female writers at the time. They talk about, and and it's all female sci-fi writers. They talk about, um, who's the lady that wrote Frankenstein? Mary Mary Shelley. Shelley. Mary Shelley. They talk about Mary Shelley. Octavia Butler. um, That might be the other, I can't remember the name of the other woman who basically wrote the very first sci-fi book that they talk, they talk Mm. about her. They talk about um, how these great, wonderful novels that are written by women sell for super cheap because men don't want to buy them simply for the fact that they're written by women. So this was a great book. It was wonderfully written. And even though it seems like there's a lot of romance to it, um, it's not all about the romance. It's more about the journey that these women take and how they kind of take control. And a lot about Evie's search for something that you'll find out if you read the book. (laughs) But it was awesome. I love this book. I think this book is going to be one that hits some of the lists. It actually does not come out until May. So this was a early, I, I got an early copy to review. Once it comes out, it'll go, it'll go on my historical fiction Facebook page. It's that good. I think people will like this. <laughs> yeah, you could pre-order. And it looks like I actually pre-ordered it at the library and it's expected to be pre-released May 16th. So you still have a little bit before it comes out, but this was awesome. I think everybody should go put it on their hold list or, or pre-order it because it was great. I loved it. Authors love when you pre-order their books. Yeah, I can imagine. I, I mean, I are pre-ordered. you being serious? Yeah, no, oh, I'm yeah. being serious. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> okay. no, because it shows interest, thing. and then they can yep. get a, a second book started quicker if they already know that the first book is going to be successful. I already yeah. pre-ordered Ron's book. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that like um, when you listen to like author interviews and stuff, a lot of times they'll say pre-order it, like. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because it helps show the publisher that there's interest in that author or in that subject, and it could get their second book like on the docket faster. The ending of this book was so wonderful because it was like a roller coaster. Like it starts ending a specific way, and you're like, "What? What are you doing? Why are you ending it this way?" And then it completely goes the other way, <laughs> and cool. it was. I liked it. It was awesome. I like when that happens. It was good. I would recommend this to people. Maybe not Martha because she doesn't like historical fiction. For anyone who's normal. Oh, shush. That was called Bloomsbury Girls by Natalie Jenner. Okay. Why don't we go to Keith next? Speaking of books that Martha will never read. (laughs) You never know. That's pretty much everything these days. I'm just an old crotchety old woman. (laughs) Yeah, no, you won't read this one, but this one was amazing too. I really liked it. I the the book I'm reviewing this week is called Sleepover by Serena Bell. And uh, this book is about this grumpy guy that never talks. His name is Sawyer and his wife died of cancer two years ago. So he's understandably still grief stricken and he just doesn't 
share or talk or he's like one of those big, huge, grumpy guys. And Elle, she just got divorced because her husband had an affair with the girl he was dating before they started dating, has been doing it for a long time. And she's gotten an invitation to his wedding to this girl <gasps> eight weeks after eight weeks after their divorce is finalized. Whoa. Boo. Just boo. Who invites their ex-wife to their new wedding? Here's the thing. They have an eight-year-old son who he does not invite to the wedding. Like, what is that? Sawyer doesn't like to get emotionally involved because he's still grieving his wife, his wife that has died. So he goes two towns over and just has hookups with women. And her divorce, when it was just finalized, she does the same thing, goes two towns over and meets him. And so they have this... I don't even know if you could call it a one night stand because they basically meet in a bar and get busy outside the bar and then go their separate ways. Yeah, and that's don't a one night stand. That's a one night stand. Literally okay. stand <laughs> <laughs> up against that's the wall. So behind it. Yeah. That's, where do you think that comes from? So Sawyer uh, moves into a new place and his eight year old son immediately finds an eight-year-old living next door and he's like, and they become best friends in two minutes, like, you know, eight-year-old boys tend to do. And lo and behold, who has he moved next door to but the one-night stand lady? So now Sawyer and Elle live next door to each other. And her her ex-husband is El Jerko. First off, invites her to the wedding Sec and she feels like she has to go. Otherwise, people are like, oh, well, she's not coming and she can't be the better person. But he doesn't invite his own son. No, I will not be the better person. I, I don't have to go to your wedding if you're my ex. Well, and his new wife is, uh, of course, like this tall, beautiful, svelte woman. And Elle just feels all sorts of dowdy and nasty next to her. And so when they come to pick up their son to spend weekends with him. They're always kind of talking down to her and being like jerky. So one day Sawyer next door sees it and just kind of saunters over and is like, oh yeah, she's allowed to bring a plus one, right? Because she and I are dating. So Sawyer, get it. So yeah. So he helps her out and rescues her and agrees to be her plus one. This is just such a cute romance because he's like this big, huge guy who never speaks, and she's this little petite woman who word vomits everything that comes into her head. So she just talks and talks, and he says like three words Gee, for that like sounds a like, day. That sounds like me and Ron. They're the kind of people that you just want to get together just to spite the stupid ex-husband, honestly. But it's a very sweet story. Obviously, he's grief-stricken. She feels... You know, like a divorced woman whose husband moved on insanely quickly would. She feels just not attractive and she feels like what's wrong with me that people just move on from me, that I'm not easily loved. So the book is about them overcoming both of their pasts, basically. And let me just say, watching the two eight-year-old boys like just scamper around and do all their fun little scampering stuff makes you wish that your jerky teenagers 
or jerky teenagers anymore. And we're eight again. Mm. But um, the whole book is just a happy ray of sunshine and goodness. And it's also got three Megan blushes worth of spice. So there's that to look forward to. And it's a part of a series, but it's one of those series that Martha never understands when I say this, like it's a, so it's a standalone book, but when you come to love the characters, you have other books so you can meet all those other characters and see their love stories too. So yeah, I gave it five stars. Love it. I'm here for the spice of it all. And that was called uh, Sleepover by Serena Bell. Excellent. Let's move next to Pat. Hey, I have got a true crime selection for this week. Oh. Shadow Man by Ron Francel. I don't really know him. I know I'm Facebook friends with him, I think because we have a lot of mutual friends yeah. in common. And I heard his name right. He went to college with my husband. They were like at Casper College together many, many moons ago. Oh. But so we don't actually know each other, but I did message him and tell him how much I enjoyed the book. And I also, it was funny because there's a graphic in the book. There's, you know, how some books will have a thematic graphic that's, and it's on the, the title page of each chapter. And all through the book, I was looking at it going, what the hell is that? I can't tell what it's supposed to be. <laughs> and so I messaged him and finally, and I said, hey, I really like the book. What the hell is that graphic? What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> and he explained it to me. As it turns out, it's because all I could see was a rope and it looked like a, a rope fastened to something that looked kind of like a doorknob or kind of like a ceramic base or kind of. But what it turned out to be is an extreme close up of a string running to a push pin. And it's just such a close up that the string looks like it's a, you know, two rope. inch diameter rope. And it's because the cover of the book has one of those uh, murder boards like they do in police departments where they run oh, strings to oh, strings yeah. together and yeah and then this person is linked to this but because i read the book as an ebook the cover is a little bitty icon tile that i did not get a good look so i had no idea that that was the theme of the cover because it was it was you know two sixteenths of an inch across in, my, in the version i was looking at so uh anyway the book is called shadow man uh it's just out in the last month or two and focuses on a series of murders that took place in the late 60s, early 70s in Montana, in southwestern Montana. And uh, it's what's really interesting about it is it opens, and what's interesting about the case is these events happen, and for quite a while, nobody puts together they're connected because they're pretty different. The first one, a little boy, I think he's maybe 10 years old or so, Get shot. He and his friend are out playing. They're, they're jumping off a bridge into a river outside of town. And he's up on the bridge. His friend is down below in the river. And he goes, I'm going to jump. And then he yells something. And his friend thought he said something like, I've been shot. But he jumps off. the. Well, he was. He was up on that bridge and somebody shot him from. Yeah. And you, then nobody saw anything when they found his body down river. Sure enough. So this little kid has gotten shot jumping off a bridge. And then a couple years later, a Boy Scout in a Boy Scout camp is someone comes in through, he's in his tent and someone manages to reach in and they stab him in the side and hit him really hard in the head and he ends up dying from the blow to the head. And then a year or two later, a girl whose family of tourists is passing through, they have a tent pitched and someone literally 
slices a hole in this tent and takes the little seven-year-old girl out. She's sharing the tent with three siblings. They don't even wake up. They manage to grab her out, slice the tent open, grab her out of there. And then there's another murder that happens relatively soon thereafter, a couple of weeks, because these have all been kids so far. Then this woman who's 19 or 20 gets murdered. And so a lot of the, the process is realizing that these are all part of the same series of crimes because they're so different. And the person who puts it together is an FBI agent who is stationed in, and he's a very good, very smart FBI agent. And he's stationed in this little Southwestern Montana town because as they say in there, normally this is where agents get sent if they're like being punished or something. This is not where they, they want to, but this guy grew up in Montana and had gone and had become an FBI agent, had worked in other urban settings and had really wanted to come home, to come back to his. So he's a sharp, really hardworking, conscientious FBI agent who just happens to be out in the middle of rural Montana. And he puts it together. FBI profiling was only, and I didn't realize that it was a fairly recent discipline, it was only first getting started in the early 70s. And he worked with two professors at the FBI Academy, basically, who were the very first pioneers of profiling and showed them all this evidence. And they're the ones who put it together. So it was a combination of good police work and early days of profiling that led them in the direction that, that eventually led them to track down the killer. And I don't want to give too much else away because it would spoil the book, but... The subtitle is An Elusive Psycho Killer and the Birth of FBI Profiling. I've read a couple of uh, Ron Francel's other books, and they almost always, you know, what I take away from it is the emphasis on just good, dogged, never give up police work is what solves these crimes. That's not, it's not a miracle. It's not, you know, some kind of fluke. It's just people working hard to do their jobs and eventually having it pay off. The fact that profiling was such a new science, which was eye-opening to me and, and how they used it to help crack this case. I, I enjoy his style. It's very conversational. Uh, you can just, it's like you were sitting in a room and listening to someone just describe the story. Um, very much in the Western vernacular, because he's from out here. I live out here. We, you know, it's a, it's a it's a voice that's easy and comfortable to read. But just because it's sort of comfortable and informal, he doesn't sacrifice accuracy or detail. You still get the information that really makes the story believable and solid and See, makes it work. I also read this. Only I did the audio. And it it read to me like fiction. It felt like fiction. It wasn't dry like some of uh -huh. the nonfiction books that are out. I grew up in that area and I didn't know about the case because I was still pretty young. I was super intrigued by the whole thing because I recognized some of the places and I thought it was excellent. I loved it. I was actually, I didn't know you were going to regret, I was going to review it, but... <laughs> I thought it was fantastic as well. And the narrator was excellent. Patty Neiman and Chris Berger. It's a fascinating story. Uh, it's well done. It's, it's well researched. 
really gives you a feel for the time and the place. And that is Shadow Man by Ron Francell. Excellent. Nice. Megan? I, this week, have a romance. Um, It is a very buzzy romance that if you have been on TikTok, probably Ah. seen it. Uh, um, And I'm reviewing The Love Hypothesis by Allie Hazelwood. It's super buzzy. We have Olive, and she is a third-year PhD student. And she's not real great with the relationships, but she just got out of a relationship, and she feels that on and her and Olive's ex would be good together and they feel like there's like a vibe. So she convinces, she's just trying to convince her friend that like, I'm over him, do you bestie. And so she tells her that like, oh, I'm actually going out on a date. She's not going out on a date. Olive is actually in her lab doing schoolwork. And there is a professor who happens to be like in the same area. His name is Adam. And Adam's walking by as Olive sees her friend. And she's like, oh, shit, my friend's going to know I lied to her because I'm in the lab. So she, like, throws Adam up against the wall and just, like, makes out with Adam so that her friend sees it. And so she could be like, oh, we went on a date to the lab because I'm dating a professor, whatever. So this whole thing starts because of that. And she's been, Olive's been kind of, like, at the beginning when she was applying for being a PhD candidate, she had like the biggest nervous breakdown ever um, beforehand and was in the bathroom, like freaking out. And she was like crying, couldn't really see anything through her like makeup running off her face. And like some mystery man comes in and like consoles her. So that's the beginning before she goes on the date. So I backtracked a little bit. And so Adam is kind of known as like the biggest asshole professor. Like, No one wants him to be their advisor because he's so mean because he's just very blunt. Like if he thinks your science is shit, he's going to tell you so. Like, because he doesn't want you to get all the way through your PhD and then everyone have lied to you your whole life and then tell you like, hey, you actually suck at this. (laughs) Like this is not going to work. So he's getting some pushback from the university because they've decided that there's another university who's like trying to poach him. So his current university thinks. So they've like locked his funding. They're like, well, we're going to cut off your money to your studies because we want to know that you're not going anywhere. So when um, Olive basically assaults him in the hallway, uh, they kind of banter back and forth about like him filing a sexual harassment claim. But you can tell it's like a banter. Like it's not like he's not being serious. Um, And so then they decide that they have to keep this lie going because if he looks like he's in a serious relationship, then the college will think he's not leaving. And if she's in a relationship with him, then her friend will know that she's okay and she can date Olive's ex. So it's that genuine good old fake dating trope at its best. It's one of my favorites. (laughs) And they basically like set up a date like once a week and are like, we're going to meet for coffee on campus so that everybody can see us together. So that everybody knows we're dating. Like it's a whole thing. And they're just the ridiculousness. And of course it's fake dating. You know, what's going to happen. And there's, you know, a trip that they take. That's like a conference that he's going to. Um, We meet one of his best friends 
who then is like, hey, Olive, let me read your research and I'll get back to you. And of course, he does get back to her. And that's when all of a sudden she realizes that this is actually Adam's friend. And so then it kind of there's some some tension there. And there's a whole lot to his friend. And I can't think of his friend's name right now because it's been a minute. So there's a, there's some tension and some things with the friend that is a spoiler if I say much more than that um, with Adam's friend. And it's just a really fun book. I loved every minute of it. Um, and the kicker, if I'm not mistaken, this book uh-uh. was written as Adam Driver fan fiction. Um, for those who have no idea who the hell Adam Driver is, he played Kylo Ren in newest Star Wars. It's Kylo Ren Ray f- fan fiction. Like yeah. if they had gotten together and were and it's, scientists. It's kind of amazing. And actually when I saw the cover uh, for my Sherlock fans, I thought it was Sherlock <laughs> fan fiction because of that, that from the scene and the like season premiere of season, whatever it was three, when he like, crashes through the window and like pops his collar and kisses the lab girl. That was what I was seeing. So when somebody's like, no, it's Adam drive. It was so fun. I gave it five stars. I highly recommend it. Of course, there's gotta be dramas in the moments of like, will they, won't they, you know, what could go wrong that could pull them apart? What could ruin this fake dating scheme? And she genuinely is a really good scientist. And the stuff she's working on is for cancer research. So there's a lot of competition in her field and, she gets noticed in her field and stuff like that. So it was amazing. I highly recommend it. If you're looking for a good palate cleanse, a good romance, the love hypothesis by Allie Hazelwood, top notch. <laughs> and I discover once again, that I missed the train on turning my fan fiction into actual book. <laughs> yes, you did. I do not have a 400 plus word doc page word document of fan fiction on my computer right now. <gasps> All right, kids, time to go to the weird. Raise your hand Bro. if you would like some weird now. Sure, why not? Me and Pat raised our hands. All right. <laughs> so today I am reviewing the Kaiju Preservation Society by John Scalzi. And for anybody who's read John Scalzi, I I can't believe I haven't recommended this other book to you previously. It's called Red Shirts. Oh, hell, I read that years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, like Star Trek Red Shirts, like everybody in a red shirt dies? Uh Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's really good. Um, And Old Man's War, which is really good, too. Old Man's War, Vonnie, or it wasn't Vonnie that hated it. It was uh, Justin. The Kaiju Preservation Society begins... He's in New York City. He's working for a startup. And he gets called into the boss's office for a, for a review. And he gives this great idea to his boss. And then his boss fires him. I mean, I don't think the great idea really has... It, it doesn't have anything to do with it. But And this is right as COVID is hitting. So he gets fired from his job. And he doesn't really know why. He's just kind of blindsided by it. And he goes home and he tells his roommates. And his roommates are all, none of them really have anything going on. And they're all afraid they're going to starve to death, basically. And this bro that fired him, the company is a food delivery app. Like a DoorDash type thing? Sort of, yeah. Okay. And he... He says, okay, well, you're fired, but I opened, an, a- I opened a- an account for you as a delivery driver on my app. 
And the guy's like, <laughs> thanks, you dick. So he goes out and he's delivering food because he doesn't have any choice. That's it. That's all he's got. Nobody's hiring. So he's delivering food. And one day he delivers food to somebody that he's previously met, an old acquaintance of his, who he delivers a bunch of different times. So they have like this conversation going. And through that conversation, his friend realizes that he is only doing this job because he doesn't have another choice. Well, one day he shows up with his food and he's like, okay, well, an opening has become available at my job. But the catch is, is that you have to go right now. I mean, like today. And it's this huge amount of money for this animal rights group. So he's like, well, okay. And he finds out how much money it is and it's it just boggles the mind how much they're offering and he doesn't really understand any of it but he's not in really any position to turn it down because he really needs the money and his roommates need the money so the guy basically says okay well I'll give you money to give them so they can keep their house while you go do this job it's out of town you need your passport you need this that you can't contact anybody while you're gone so he's like okay um well he tells all his friends it's in Greenland so they get to Greenland, and then all of a sudden, they go from snow to jungle. I don't think there's jungles in Greenland. There is in the alternate Earth they've just stepped into. And okay. the alternate Earth they've just stepped into happens to have kaiju, which are sort of like Godzilla. I love, I love the fact that each one of you looked up, and I got your eyes right at that point. <laughs> This, it's very silly. It does not take itself too seriously. But at the same time, it's a lot of fun. A, a lot of the way they describe these kaiju is just, I mean, they're obviously massive creatures. Their parasites are bigger than our large animals, basically. So the, the kaiju are so large that they make their own nuclear reactors. and. Uh -oh. This is like worse than Planet of the Apes because they didn't make nuclear weapons. Yeah, no, well, they don't make them Not like yet. make them. They're like produced in their body. Um, and there's a lot of sciencey bits here and there that I didn't really understand a lot of it. But it was fun regardless. And I think that's the whole point of a book like this is not to take it too seriously. Wait, can we circle back to they make nuclear reactors in their bodies? Can we circle back to that? No, we can't because I can't explain <laughs> it. Don't fucking ask okay. me to explain okay. it. It's just something that happens. You have just, to take on just things. making and sure that I didn't have a seizure no, when you said that. No, and they're it. attracted <laughs> to nuclear energy. And so are all the other animals in this area. So anytime there's a nuclear explosion on our Earth, uh -oh. the, the, the barrier thins and they can step through. And so there have been a few times in Earth's history where these things have actually happened, which is where the whole Godzilla myth comes from. So, I mean, okay. there, there are things that are kind of, you know, puzzle pieces or whatever. They're, it's very not serious, in, in my opinion. It was just a really fun book to read. But the, I think the best part of it, for me, was they allow tourists, but only certain kinds of tourists, which basically means funders. And one day he's at work and they're trying to teach him how to not get killed because everything on this planet will kill you. <clears throat> and he, part of his job at that juncture is to, you know, keep the tourists from getting killed. 
And they're super rich people, basically, who give them money for their research on how to preserve a kaiju. Well, one of the things they do is they're trying to get the kaiju to mate. And in order to do that, they make pheromones and then they have to take these planes and fly around them. And it's just all this very action-oriented stuff. And of course, there's nefarious stuff in the works because it wouldn't be a good story if there wasn't nefarious stuff in the works. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I, I just blazed through it. It was probably, I don't know, maybe seven or eight hours audiobook read by Will Wheaton. Since we were talking about Will Wheaton earlier. Hello, Will Wheaton. Be our friend. Yes. So um, it was really a fun book. Very much did its job, which was to completely disconnect me from reality for a while. And I love that. Um, there, it, there were a few problems that I had with it. Mostly the kind of thing that's, A, that's just too goddamn weird to be plausible type stuff. <laughs> as long as you're having a good time reading it, it doesn't really matter. So that, if you like that sort of thing, if you're into sci-fi and maybe a bit of Godzilla would do you some good, check out the Kaiju Preservation Society by John Scalzi. I think I would be afraid to know what Martha considers too weird to be uh. believable. <laughs> Listening to some of the books that she really likes, I mean, like, you know, making nuclear weapons inside your own body. That's not too weird. That's not where she drew the line. No, that's not where she drew the line. No. Martha's line is so far away from my line <laughs> that I can't see it. It's line is a over the curvature of the earth. <laughs> It's on a different earth altogether, it Bonnie. It's on an exactly. it's in an art alternative reality. I have It's a, in the jungles of Greenland, apparently. Yep. Right. <laughs> That's exactly right. Hey man, global warming. We might have jungles in Greenland before too long. Yep. It's right. probably not that far off. It's okay. Zelensky is still alive. There's your <laughs> Zelensky update for the week. Oh, well that's good. Yeah. Yep. Who's it's my morning routine. I get up, I check on Zelensky, I go to work. Is he the Ukraine guy? Yeah. Yes. President. Okay. Yeah. I was like, who the hell is that? I don't remember. The guy that uh, just really needs to be president of the world at this point. Hmm. Yeah. He's the I don't know about that. President of the world just is asking for trouble. That's, That's right. True. Right. <laughs> that is true. That is true. It's too much power. For I feel like I've person. read books about that yes. and it never goes it well. It never goes well. well. They're all... It always, like... It always ends in co- tears. Co-president co- <laughs> of the world with somebody we don't know who it is yet. Like we just- That would be like trying to be the parent of like 13 kids, like cheaper by the dozen or oh, what's yeah. that other movie that had yeah. a- Yours, mine, and ours. Yeah. That. that It would be like trying to be the parents of that bunch of very you know, different I, I feel children. like he has the personality to walk into the room and be like, all of you sit the fuck down and shut the fuck up. Here's what we're doing. And they'd all go, okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure whenever everybody got the the penis coloring books yeah and i got criminal minds yeah yes. oh. i've been coloring spencer reed while we talk today <laughs> and so is, that, son- wait, is that code for something i've been coloring spencer reed <laughs> mm-hmm. if, if, if matthew gray Googler was 
If Matthew Gray Goobler was in this house, I would not be on this Zoom call right now. <laughs> Are you sure? I maybe, am 100% sure. Maybe he's on the other side of the room where we can't see him holding the remote control. Maybe he's, <laughs> maybe he's down there. I feel like I've read a book like we that. We can't see her bottom half. Maybe That's he's true. down there. Ooh, You'll never her, know. Her, oh my God, You'll never so know. Blushing. I wondered why you had the mute on so much during this Zoom call. <laughs> I don't think sure that's a cough. I don't think she's really coughing. I think it's something else. She's like, oh Oh my God. (laughs) I'll color what she's coloring. (laughs) (laughs) Where's my penis coloring book now? I know. Now I want to go get my penis coloring book. Now we got to get Pat a penis coloring book. Yeah. Are there any made? She can be part of the group. Gray Matthew. Oh my God. Does he have any penises in there that get colored? No, I think everything is I think Megan like, might have gra- I think she's graduated. What do you guys think? I think Megan needs her own penis coloring oh, book now. I think Megan would be sad. <laughs> keep oh. my my I'm going to keep my Harry Styles in my penis coloring books. Maybe we should she's start gonna... with a Ken doll down there coloring book that's smooth. It's a smooth area. And, that one first and then graduate to the penis coloring book. She needs the smooth area. Oh my god. She needs the smooth a, area. And oh wait, there is own. like a zipper a on. Spencer has a zipper in this picture. Does that count? Oh my god, before you pushed it <laughs> up, I was like, what's picture. coming out of that zipper? I did. It did the way those, yeah. <laughs> It definitely Megan, did the way that I, I just want to say they're usually a little bigger than that. <laughs> well, maybe it's just the tip. <laughs> it is coming out of the zipper. Oh my god. Now you gotta flip it through here. Ouch. <laughs> what movie was Watch that where he gets tape. it caught in the zipper? Uh, oh, about Mary. Oh yeah, my God, Mary. that is the best <laughs> scene ever. I'll never forget that. Oh, that make that makes my penis hurt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think we're done. That's that's gonna do it for Three Book Girls. Can't get enough of Three Book Girls? Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow them on TikTok, YouTube, and check out their website at threebookgirls.com. And join the group Three Book Girls Tribe on Facebook. If you really love them, share the podcast with a friend or join them at one of their live events. Three Book Girls, a Steel Trap production.